Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 21. John and Wendy talk to each other. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? I am well. This is the one that I think everybody's been waiting for. (laughs) Yeah. If it sounds a little different, we are actually together at Sherm 18 and are recording this on my little microphone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it may not sound quite like our normal co- our normal shows. We thought it was a great opportunity for us to get together. We've been able to spend quite a bit of time together, good and bad, I think. <laughs> Probably oh, yeah. more so for Wendy. But, it's uh, entertaining. But it's been entertaining, and we took the questions. You all sent some tremendous questions in to us to ask each other, and so we're going to be doing that. We thought we'd talk a little bit to start. You know, kind of, I guess I'll ask you, Wendy, how was the conference for you? You know, this was this was a great conference. I am so glad that uh, we had the opportunity, and thank you so much to Andrew and Mary Mary for inviting us to come and uh, participate in the blog squad. I think um, for myself, it has been seeing the real life connections, um, the connections come to life. It's been um, eye opening, and I've loved it. I spent a lot of time down at the Smart Stage, saw some great things down there. I was feeling a little guilty because I didn't hit as many big mega sessions as I, you know, how you quote unquote feel you should. But other than that, um, it's been great getting to know everybody, getting to hang out with you. Hashtag adventures with John. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so it's been good. How how about you, John? How what's what's been the best? I have to say it has been extremely humbling to me to meet so many people here that we did not know necessarily, or maybe we've talked to a little bit through Twitter or mm-hmm. on the chat, people that I've never talked to, though, that came up to me and probably to you too, Wendy, and said, we love what you're doing, we love the podcast, and yep. and it's really amazing to think that in a four- or five-month period, we've gone from literally starting and post, posting the first <laughs> show and wondering where we're going to get any downloads. We figured Steve Brown might help us a little bit with yeah, that. True. But uh, it has been uh, just an amazing experience uh, a lot most highs although we are going to tell the story because some of you have probably seen the pictures on twitter and if wendy doesn't cry again we'll be okay oh yeah Uh, we were uh coming up this morning uh we were this is the final day of the conference we were coming upstairs to the uh area where the bloggers can, can work and very early coming up the escalator and i hear a noise i turn around my luggage zipper exploded all of my stuff was falling down the steps of the escalator. It was almost slow motion. I'm, I was using words that I don't typically use on the podcast, and I won't start today. Wendy is laughing hysterically even then. All my clothes and all my stuff come rolling up the escalator. I get them into a little pile, and as my wife has been told, and she'll hear it on the podcast, Wendy saw my underwear. It was quite humorous. I piled everything up. I started to laugh. It was, yes. The wonderful Sherm staff, and I don't have her name, and I am sorry. I will try to find it because I owe her a beer or roses or something. She found me tape, yep. and I have duct taped my <laughs> luggage together. Thankfully, I am not flying home yeah. directly. I have an opportunity to get a piece of luggage to get home with. But it was, <laughs> it was an incredibly funny Experience that thankfully there's not a lot of pictures of, and thankfully nobody but Wendy saw, it, it, other it, than the pictures that we did take. That has encapsulated the humor of <laughs> Sherm 18 for sure. For yes, sure. it it was it was a great way to start our last day. Um, 
I had I had tears, and I know that the uh, the kind folks at Sherm who were helping. I don't know what they thought about me as I stood there and, and laughed. Uh, belly, great big belly laughs. Um, we explained it was okay we did. because <laughs> we do this and we know it's all right. Yes. But, uh, so, yeah. Well, let's get to it yes. because that's why we yes. asked. And again, uh, we asked you for questions. What we're going to do is kind of go back and forth and ask each other the questions, and then and then we'll see what happens. We'll see what so, happens. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, you always go first. Do you want me to go first? I, what do you want to do? I w- I'll go first. Okay. Okay. So I am, we're going to start out with me interviewing John. Our, obviously, our first question, um, since it's the middle of the day, we're not going to talk about what's in our glass. But, John, how did you get into HR? Um, and what has been your favorite position in HR? I'm going to answer the question you didn't ask. I do have a Coke in my glass. Oh, well, it's okay. In my cup here. <laughs> how I got into HR, I am one of those people that did not plan for this as a career. I was a music teacher. It was not for me. I quit my job without another job. I went to a temp agency to be a temp. I explained to them all the logistics that I did when I was a teacher and getting students here, there, and everywhere they needed to be, all the parents and the administration, everybody I dealt with. And suddenly this recruiter says, you'd be good at this. And I said, what is this? And my first job was then in the staffing industry, (laughs) placing people in light industrial and clerical, entry-level clerical jobs. I learned what I would certainly call trench HR in that job. Favorite is tough. I would say that the job that expanded me or or gave me the most challenge and was the most beneficial uh, was when I was first promoted into leadership. I was in an organization that was very, very gray. Uh, Take that for what you will take. (laughs) But I was extremely inexperienced compared to many of my peers. They were not happy that I was the one that was promoted. And it was an extreme challenge for the first bit of time to get that team corralled and really in the right direction. I learned a lot personally. And the biggest thing that I learned in that job was that not everybody went to work for the same reason that I did, which I didn't <laughs> understand. And I was not new at this, but it was something that really kind of came to light once I got into leadership. I look back on that time very fondly because not only then did I get these folks kind of ramped up, I hired 18 people in 18 months to work for me. And it was a a really diverse group in all the ways you can define diversity. But they were an awesome team. We did things, for example, we would go to a local short track. Every time somebody started, we'd take them to the local short track and watch the races. In Virginia, that's a big deal. (laughs) And I can tell you, one of the the young ladies that worked for me who was just top flight, but very, very prim and proper, red, red Vogue and Cosmopolitan, dressed that way, watching her on a concrete racetrack, talking to the lady next to her wearing the one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor <laughs> shirt was one of the most hysterical. And, and that was many, many years ago, and I remember that chance to, to really expand my, my own, not only my knowledge, but how to work with people and, and how to, be, to become an effective manager. That I think that's probably the one I really look to and, and to learn something from. Cool. You, this podcast was your brilliant idea. <laughs> I say that. Keep laughing. It almost sounds sarcastic when I said it, but I, I'm it's it, I, I'm honest when I say brilliant idea. So, I, and you've been podcasting for a while. So talk about your other podcast. It has come up. Um, we found we you have fans that already existed. So tell tell everyone about this other podcast of yours. In 2009, I went to a comic book show that was all focused on GI Joe. I'm an 80s kid. I was a huge GI Joe toy collector and comic book reader. 
uh, read comics up until college, and then when I figured out that I wanted to meet girls, maybe the, the <laughs> girls I wanted to meet weren't maybe into that, and so when G.I. Joe got canceled in 1994, I stopped reading comics and uh, was gone for 15 years. In 2009, I went to a comic book show because the guy who created the first uh, G.I. Joe books for Marvel was going to be there, and I wanted to meet him. I took my then uh, younger son, Jacob, who produced our first several shows when he was, gosh, I guess uh, six, eight, I guess he was about eight years old at the time. Went to this comic book show and it was mind blowing. We had such a good time. We met all these cool people. We saw all this cool artwork and it really got me excited again. I started reading comics again and I jumped full in. I started reading every comic book I could find. <laughs> I bought, I was on eBay all the time buying G.I. Joe bundles, like old books and everything. Well. I started, uh, an artist I knew told me about this podcast, and it's called Star Joes, and it's literally Star Wars to G.I. Joe, and it's 80s toy properties, and in 2000, early 2010, I started listening to the show. It was guys roughly my age, a little younger, maybe a few a little older, that were nerds about G.I. Joe, <laughs> Star Wars, Transformers, Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We had a huge forum community at the time was very very active and we traded action figures and we sell each other stuff at price you know and hey I'm looking for this or I'm looking for this and we would talk about you know we were just is this group of nerds all talking about what they loved and we started meeting at comic book conventions and literally there'd be 20 guys that all were into this podcast that you know that, that listened and and we kind of we looked at the two hosts as rock stars and they these guys were leading <laughs> this charge for us well I, I went on as a, uh, a guest probably five years ago, six years ago now, went on as a guest, and then I started popping up quite often as a guest host, because one of the hosts, the, the hosts, actually all three of us lost our job at the same time in uh -huh, 2013, okay. so that when the two guys that did the show together, who had worked together when, the, when, the, when they both lost their jobs, one of them kept going, the other one trying to get work, ended up working nights, and it was too hard for him to come on, so I started coming on as a guest, and we did that for... I'm going to say six, eight months, I was on quite a bit. <laughs> and then in September of 2016, I guess it was, that didn't sound right, maybe it's 15, I don't know, it's been a while. <laughs> Episode 152 of Star Joe's, I was announced as the new co-host of Star Joe's. Nice. So since uh, since then, we it just it put out issue, or episode 202 came out, uh, gosh, I guess now, maybe three weeks ago. Okay. But uh, it has been a labor of love, uh, just like this. I have met <laughs> creators, I, I've... I've talked to, you know, we talk not only about comics, we'll talk about, hey, what's your fa top five movies of 1985 mm -hmm. or whatever it is. The experiences I just can't replicate. And again, we go to conventions. Uh, we have st shirts. We, mm -hmm. we got really cool <laughs> pins. Some of you maybe listening got a cool pin from us. We have t-shirts with these Star Joe's logos on them, and people will come up to us and tell us they listen to the show. And just a lot like it is here, it's this whole other community, and these people, really you, they, dig, they dig what you're putting out there. And that was, um, it's just been a lot of fun. I don't typically talk about it. I'm not ashamed of it because anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I tweet about comic books and right. G.I. Joe all the time because right. it's cool, and I think it's my whole me. Yeah. We've talked a lot at this conference about being your whole self at work. Yep. People at work with me know I'm into G.I. Joe and Star Wars, and, yeah, I'm a comic nerd. I have no problem. <laughs> but it just – anyway, yeah, sure. it's been a lot, a lot of fun and continues to be an important part of my outside of work life for sure. So what is it about podcasting that you, that you love? I think podcasting is the most intimate of listening experiences. Most of you right now are probably listening on headphones or earbuds of some type, uh, maybe in your car. Uh, I know Steve Brown says he listens in the car. Hi, Steve. <laughs> but Hi, Steve. It, there is a very, very intimate component to it. 
I think you get to know people in a very different way. I listen to a lot of podcasts outside of HR, more comic books and comedy and things, because I get a lot of uh, windshield time. I travel sure. a lot for my work, and I have found that you get to know people. And, and I was telling somebody the other day, I listened to a comic book podcast where one of the hosts uh, got cancer, got really sick, went into remission, got really sick again, and then passed away. And it was it was emotional. You know, mm -hmm. I. I didn't. I never met him, but I knew him because right. I'd listened to his podcast for three or four years. And when he, when he, after he had passed at the next convention, they had memorial pins for him, and it, it's just it, there's something to it. And I've also found that some of the the big podcasts that mm -hmm. people are familiar with, you tweet the you tweet those people that make those shows, and they respond to you because they they get that you are a fan. Yeah. If you are tweeting about podcasting in general. It's it's still while it is it's much bigger than it was when I got into it in 2010 as a listener, it's still fairly uncommon for a lot of people, mm -hmm. and so people keep discovering us and find oh somebody saw me today and said I was looking for a HR podcast a couple of years ago and then all of a sudden there's so many and that's awesome because we all are doing different things right so I think yeah why do I love it I it's it's the intimacy it's the getting to know people and. In, at a different level, and, and a, just again, it's a, a connection that I don't think you get in other ways. No, I agree. I agree. So tell everyone something or someone that has influenced your HR career. I'm going to mention her by name because I know she listens to the show. <laughs> I worked for somebody in the past. Who's, her name is Tommy Diener. Tommy is my Yoda. Um, she is. Uh, she's my hero, and. Oh, sorry, I probably wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for her. Uh, she has been extremely supportive of me when I, I, we worked together. We worked together as I worked kind of in a, as peers, and then she was my manager, and then we worked again as peers. So I, I worked with her for, gosh, 12 years almost. Oh, wow. And in different different ways. And when I worked for her as a leader, she she's a, just a brilliant person, tremendous 50,000 foot view person that can then talk. She, we talked a lot about this week too, understanding the business and you know, <laughs> talk to business. She is as talkative a person in the business and but also getting the trench HR stuff and understanding how all the systems go and everything. I, I lear have learned so much from her. I continue to learn from her and uh, I think she has been certainly one of the biggest influences in my career. Wonderful. Any advice for someone who's new to HR? You're never going to learn all this in one day. You're going to learn something new every day. I've been doing this a long time now, and I still learn something at least every other day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think I would say, you know, you're never going to learn it all, and, and don't try to. Uh, you need to get to know people, not just in your business. Get to learn the business. Understand what widgets you're making. If you don't understand the widgets and why it's important, how we make the widgets and and what other widget people make and how all that, those things tie in. If you just understand the legal component of this, you're never going to be successful because leadership and, man, and management folks, people that are not in HR, they don't. You need to be able to tell, talk in that in that language yep. and understand that story. But if you can't talk in their language, it just doesn't never going to work. So get to learn the business. Don't expect to know it all when you get started. And uh, again, I think building your network, 
I met some really, really awesome young professionals this week. We had a chance to, to have yeah. dinner last night with several folks, and I love listening to them. They're ver they're much more educated than I've ever been in this, in this <laughs> industry from a, you know from going to school, right. getting MBAs, and they're they're really bright, they're energetic, and it's awesome. Like feeding on that energy, and then I get to tell them stories where their eyes just kind of roll back because they're like, "What in the world?" They're gonna you're gonna see it all, but yep. but yeah, I, I those things are all really really important, and I hope people would do that and you know if I had to do it over again those are the things those are the kind of the things I have learned on this on this adventure <laughs> so far awesome those though that's great and it's you know I'm I, to piggyback on that not to get up get into my questions I it, it is good to yeah can I just say ditto because I, I you enough. know honestly it is it's it's that's that's what it is knowing that there's so much out there and it's not about a degree it's I've said it a hundred times since I moved back to South Dakota. Never say never. That's right. And never say That's you've right. seen it all, because someone will surprise That's you. Right. That's right. <laughs> well, now I get to turn the tables. Yes. So, Wendy, how did you get into HR, and what's been your favorite job that you've had oh, along the way? So, I, yeah, um, I fell into HR. My intention in college was to go to law school, and did I, I let myself be talked out of it? Quite honestly, uh, ended up being a paralegal for a while, said, yeah, I don't know about this. I was living in Denver and said, well, I'm young, I'm single, I'm going to go to work for the airlines. I can travel, I want to travel. So I uh, went to work for United Airlines and was working in um, baggage service, customer service type job. And my boss's wife worked in the grounds recruiting office in Denver. And they had an opening. And he said, when do you think you'd be good at that? I'm like, mm, okay. I interviewed, got the job, and got into recruitment. So I recruited for, oh, six to eight small airports in the Denver region. Sioux Falls was one of my airports, Kansas City, Billings, Montana, Wyoming. So I would go to those little airports on a regular basis, do recruitment for them, put out ads. Back, We had paper applications. Then I got 9-11 uh, happened, got laid off. Ended up uh, moving into moving to uh, Michigan, where my now husband li lives. Got back into recruitment there, so mostly did recruitment um, until uh, the job I have now, which probably has been my favorite because it is not just recruitment; it is the breadth of all of HR. So I feel like I have a real depth of knowledge when it comes to recruitment and talent talent acquisition which is what we call it now. Sure. <laughs> but it's nice to have the breadth of information and actually starting to get those wild hairs of maybe I should go back to law school and do employment. I can be the Kate Bishop of uh, Bischoff of uh, South Dakota. <laughs> That's a lofty aspiration, but a great it, one. It is. Aspiration it is. and inspiration, right? We've exactly. Yes. Well, <clears throat> you are the blogger of this team. Yep. Uh, I'm the lover. She is the fighter. But, <laughs> but when it comes to blogging, I guess, how did you get started and how, how do you find your voice in that? You know, we've talked a lot about the fact that I don't write much. Yeah. I'm a Twitter junkie. How did you get started and, and how do you develop that? I've had some start, starts and stops with blogging. I did, had a personal blog for a while, did the blog spot thing. Before my youngest was born, that's really how we shared pictures out um, because that was before social media was big, You're, you know. So my youngest is eight, and eight years ago, you know, grandmas and grandpas were not on Facebook. <laughs> That's true. You know, I created this blog to share information and say, oh, you know, Jesse's walking, Jesse's doing this, Maggie's doing this, Maggie's doing that, and sharing pictures. Uh, as came up in one of our past shows, I did also start a wine blog, 
and as I said in that show, I, I was a little unhappy in my work and was just looking for another outlet. And um, I liked to drink wine, so I might as well write about it and had the idea of maybe somebody would send me some free wine if I did that. But of course, I lived in place at the time, you couldn't ship wine to the states I lived in. So I really didn't think that through the whole way. And then I kind of let those fall to the wayside when we moved to South Dakota. But I happened to be in San Antonio and tweeted pictures of being in San Antonio. And Carlos Escobar DM'd me and said, are you in San Antonio? And I was like, oh, wait a minute, who is this guy? <laughs> Before I respond. And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, let, you know, let's get a drink. So I got a drink. And he was talking to me about his blog. And I was like, you know, I could do that. <laughs> I can do that. I can write about HR stuff. I can write about my life and all of that. And so that's really how I started the My Daily Journey blog. Um, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Did WordPress and just started writing. You know, people talk about personal brand and I've, I've started it. I've done some exploring of that to figure out that brand. And as we talk about um, you know, people finding you on social media and, oh, you know, you better not say anything offensive or they might hire you, that kind of stuff. And I really, this time around, and, and my last times, I really want to be authentic to who I am and write about things that matter to me and write, write about fun stuff too, but because I write about our social hour chats a lot, I write about our, our Twitter chats, but I do also want to put out stuff that's real. So, um, like when I talk, put out the, um, the Me Too blog and talking about my own personal experience in reporting a situation that happened to me. I want people to, to know that there's safe places out there and that's who we need to be as HR professionals and that's who I'm hopefully putting out there. Not to be flippant about it, but if there are people out there who don't like my voice and want to judge me on that, that's on them, not on me. So I want to be authentic and hopefully that's coming across in my blog and I would, I, I'm going to assume it is because people are people are actually following me they respond to it they're they're responding to me on twitter and, and we're having the conversations there so and for me it's not it's about the conversations not about oh how many views did i get though i do look at that um <laughs> it's kind of fun to watch that number but that's me and blogging you asked me about someone or something that's been very influential what about for you you know you, you, i think about this question and kind of go back and forth. There was when I worked for um, a bank when I lived in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. There was a gal named Beth. I don't remember her last name, and I feel horrible about not remembering her because she's the one who encouraged me to get my um, PHR. She encouraged me to take class at VCU that met one, once a week. So I chunked out the money for it and took the class. I just barely qualified to sit for the exam, and so this was 12 years ago. But I took the class, sat for the exam. In that time, though, I switched jobs. And again, this was before social media, so you didn't keep in touch with people. Sure. So she's kind of the person that got me started in HR as an actual profession and not just a job. But I do, I, I, I have to put out, so Beth is an early one. Currently, I honestly, I have to say Jennifer McClure. I so look up to her, and I have gone back to her podcast. Um, she did a podcast on, you know, people who are above you and people who are at your level and people who are, quote, below you, not really, but, and I really see her as someone who I would, again, aspire uh, to be like. So if I can be Jennifer McClure or Kate Bishop when I grow up, 
<laughs> someday I'll grow up and um, and go that way. But I, you know, Jennifer's one of those people that if she ever wrote a book, I'd be first in line to buy it. Um, love listening to her podcast, love reading what she puts out. And I love that, you know, if I see her walking into a session here at Sherm, that, you know, she will talk with me. She will walk with you and talk with you. And she's just as genuine um, in person as she is on her podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll give her the shout out. <laughs> Well, without saying ditto, right? <laughs> what, what if, if a if a, a new a newly minted professional, regardless of age, because some people go back to school, sure. or, you know, but somebody new to HR, what advice do you give them? My advice would be to not get too frustrated with the seasoned professionals, and that's probably my. I'm going to give you the same advice I give to myself probably every day that. You know, not that you know, change happens all the time, and we need to help people see why we do the change, and not just we don't want to go on social media just because it's there. We, why is being on social media important? Why is technology important? And helping people who have been doing their job for so long, helping them transition into something new, um, and see how it will make their life easier, make their job better, and allow them to do more. Um, I don't think people are. I don't think a lot of those people are stuck just because they really like checking boxes or making sure we're all in compliance. I, I think it's just been hard because change is hard, if, especially if you don't understand the why. When you get really, really excited about an idea, you need to remember that not everyone's thought about it as much as you have, so you need to take some time, help them get excited about it, help them see what's in it for them, W-I-F-R-C. Yeah, I, I, right? I, yeah. I think it's IIFM. Yeah, WIFM or uh, that favorite radio station, WIIFM. If you can do that, you will be successful. You will be seen as a change agent. You will be seen as an expert. You will be seen as everyone get ready to take a drink, but that influencer. <laughs> and, and you'll go far in your career. Ditto. No, Ditto. I, I yeah. absolutely agree. I think it, you, you do have to have that perspective. You have to remember that. I haven't thought about it or I don't really understand the need. Yeah. How do I get somebody there? Yeah. So. so. All right, it's now time for everyone's favorite part of our show. The question connection. I, I don't know the music I'd sing it, but I don't know it. <laughs> It'll be there. It'll be there. All right. So John, favorite movie? I think this is gonna surprise people because as much as we talked about comic books and Star Wars and things, my favorite movie ever is about a little boy. And his BB gun. Oh, that is a great movie. It's a Christmas story. <laughs> and a Christmas story has a very personal thing for me. I saw it as a kid in the theater, which I'm not, not a lot of people saw it in the theater. No. I saw it in the theater with my little sister and my mom. And then the next, I guess the next Christmas or whenever, it was on HBO somewhere. We didn't have cable where I grew up. Oh. I grew up out in the country yeah. and have cable. So a friend of ours taped it. And we told my dad he had to see it. My dad grew up in the 40s. His older brother's name is Ralph. <laughs> and, and Ralph, my Uncle Ralph, had a BB gun. So they, they grew up, you know, yep. similarly. My my, uh, my grandpa was a truck driver. Very comparable kind of thing growing up in Louisville in the 40s like that. We just fell in love, and it's become a Thurman Christmas tradition <laughs> since 1985. We watched that movie at least once every Christmas oh. as a family, and the family has gotten bigger yeah. as as I got married and had children, as my sister got married and has her family, we all sit down, you know, at some yep. point when we're all together with my parents, we all watch it. We all basically rec recite the whole book, oh, exactly. the whole movie. Yep. 
the book. If you've never read the book, it comes from, it's a collection of short stories called In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash, which was on the sign in the bar that Flick owned when Flick and Ralphie grew up. It's, he, Ralphie comes home and it's <laughs> on the bar. It's with the sign in the bar. It's actually a collection of short stories that Gene Shepard wrote for mm-hmm. Playboy in right. the 60s. And the book is hysterical because there's also a marching band story in there that had me in tears when I was reading. The book has <laughs> never made me cry in laughter until I read this. And Ralphie played the tuba, which is what I play. Oh, and that my gosh. Was so, there's all these connections. But, yeah, A Christmas Story is just this incredibly personal thing for me. And it's very interesting, much like the diehard conversation that we've had about is that yeah. a Christmas movie. It's a very divisive movie because I meet people that don't like it at yeah. all. And I don't get it because it's just right. delightful. It, it's, so I agree. It's, it's I agree. mine. What about yours? I have two. So I'm going to start with the same theme as yours, um, Christmas Vacation. Okay. We, we watch it every year at Christmas time. Um, day after Thanksgiving, we put up the Christmas tree. We watch Christmas Vacation. It's my favorite vacation movie, obviously, um, but <laughs> it's one that I can watch over and over again, um, recite it. Um, we throw, my husband and I throw out lines from it, you know, random times of the year. You know, is the house on fire, clock? Don't throw me down, clock. And just it, it, every time, I laugh every time. And I, I have to, I remember the first time my dad watched it. Actually, he came out to visit, or Maggie was born. And it was Christmas time, and it was on, you know, one of the TV channels. So we just kept watching it. And my dad was in tears. And we were like, have you not seen this movie? <laughs> and he had never seen it before. So... That was uh, that was fun. My other favorite movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Wow. Okay. Yes. One of the epics. One of the epics. One of the epics. And the the classic overacting, <laughs> the the colors and the drama and just the whole the whole thing about it and. I just I, I love it so much. We have to watch it every year, and the girls just roll their eyes um, <laughs> because it's so horribly cheesy. And I actually found finally one of the books that they used that they to base the story on. Oh, it's, wow. okay. it's called Moses, the Prince of Egypt. I'm not going to think of the gal's name who wrote it. She wrote it back in the the 50s, like a couple years before the movie was done. And I, I was giggling because I went on Goodreads and read the reviews because I'm like, I don't know how good this is going to sure. be. It's actually a really good book. I do okay. highly recommend it. <laughs> One of the reviews was, I liked the original better. And so I was reading, I looked at that and I said to my husband, <laughs> do you think she means the movie or the Bible? <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not, this is, I'm just like, you realize this ain't a biography, right? Um, so, but yes, I love and all those Charlton Heston tragically awesome movies. My husband one year for um, for whatever reason bought me um, a double Blu-ray with um, Ben Hur and nice. the Ten Commandments. Nice. Every year Thanksgiving Passover time, we have to sit down and watch the Ten Commandments on the on the uh, tremendous Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, this I know is one that everybody's been waiting for, or at least yes, people that know I me. I think so. <laughs> Your favorite musician or band. Yep. I'm asking you Oh, for you're asking it. me we're first? Flipping. Okay, it's we're just flipping. like we do right. on the show. So anyone who's seen me today, the day that we're recording, can probably guess. But my favorite band is the Bare Naked Ladies. I've been a fan of theirs uh, since I lived in Boulder, Colorado, and heard uh, Yoko Ono for the first time. Just the, the happy, upbeat, fun music that they did back in the 90s. 
really become a huge fan of uh, what Stephen Page has been putting out lately. I think he has such a unique voice. And uh, so we, we stayed up and watched the Juno Awards because they were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I watched it on waiting, YouTube, but I watched it just waiting, for you. Waiting, I'm like, how long is this show? When are they coming up? And I think we actually went to bed and then caught them <laughs> together on YouTube the next day because we were just like, I, I can't, because we don't watch award shows at all. Right. For, uh, it was just, it was painful for us to sit through the Canadian Music <laughs> Awards. <laughs> oh, all right. So, John, I could do an entire episode just on this. Thing, I, I think on we this could. Subject. Yes. This is an incredibly difficult. You know, oh, this is a hard question. We get that, and like, oh, oh come on, it's yeah. fine. This is really, really hard for me. I was a music major, so I have been yep. very involved in music. Most of my life, I started playing the tuba when I was 11. That was memorable many years ago. <laughs> uh, so it's you know it's always been part of me, you know, the instrumental and, and so being and being a music major and being involved in band and what have you. I, I kind of have gone through phases, and I've always said though I I was born too late. Most of the music I'm into is before my time. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan of. I, I saw Maynard Ferguson, who was a jazz trumpet player. I saw him 20 times before he died. I'm a big trumpet. Jazz trumpet yeah. band. I had Bill Chase, who was a had a horn band called Chase that sang about crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> it's like a, it was a rock band with a trumpet section, and I, don't, I can't even begin to explain. Anybody, if anybody <laughs> listening to the show is familiar with Chase or is a fan, contact me because you are my new best friend. That's a really, really uncommon <laughs> one. Don Ellis was a trumpet player, so I, I kind of did that. Obviously, I'm a big Rush fan. Right. Big Rush fan. And of that period, you know, Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, a lot of the, the prog rock kind of stuff. As I got older, though, when I was in college, you know, I, I'm very big on this whole idea of imprinting mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, most of what you listen to when you're high school age is typically what you listen That's what you, be, you kind of want sure. to have for the rest of your life. So, again, I was listening to stuff in the 80s that was from the 60s. And so that's why, okay. you know, yeah. like 80s music is cool, but I'm not imp- it's not imprinted on me like right. a lot of my friends because I was listening to this other stuff. The one guy I'm really glad, though, that I found later in, in 1996 when I first found his music was Ben Folds. Oh, yeah. I can't explain why. I can't. Exp- I don't want to explain. I can't. Ben Folds 5 is the greatest band I ever saw live, I think. To see ben Fo- the actual Ben Folds 5, the original band, multiple times. Mm. I got to introduce my wife to that band. And then when the band broke up and he went and started going solo, I've seen Ben, I think, 12 times now in, in the last 20 years. But the highlight for me was meeting him last year. Oh. I did. Uh, I treated myself uh, <laughs> to a, a very, he does a, a meet and greet kind of thing now at shows. And he does, he does a question and answer session for 20 minutes or so. And then he does 30 minutes of, of warm up and like sound check. Sure. All requests. Oh, nice. And there was one song I've never heard him, I, you can't find it online, a live version of it. There's, I'm sorry, there's one, I think. And I've always, I, I, as many times as I've seen him play, I've never seen him play it live. It's a song called Songs of Love by oh. an Irish band called uh, uh, Divine Comedy. Okay. And he proceeded to give the audience a lecture on how they needed to go out and buy all the Divine Comedy albums. <laughs> he played about three quarters of it, and I almost wept. Oh. I was so moved because I just, I just love, I just love it. And he played something else I requested. Well, then I met him. Oh. And for the first time on the podcast, I'm going to use a bad word. Because I went up to him and I said, Ben, my name is John. My first show was with The Five in 1996 in Lawrence, Kansas at Liberty Hall. He looked at me and he said, holy shit. (laughs) 
we proceeded to have about a five minute conversation. Sorry, I'm gonna tag the explicit one, I guess, on this one. Yeah. But it was, he was everything I wanted him to be and needed him awesome. to be. He wrote uh, something explicit on the uh, on the picture that I got. This audit, you know, uh, he, he yeah. was signing eight by tens. He wrote something explicit on that that I so I don't hang it up. <laughs> but he uh, he just connects to me in some way that I can't really explain. And as I tell people, when he is seventy five years old and playing at the local Holiday Inn, because he will play his entire life. I will be He'll in be the front there. row. He is working on a musical now. Oh my gosh! And really? so it is. He is. He he told us when we met him that he is working on this musical. I will be at previews. I will be in New York to see it because he is. It's it's a big wide breadth, but I wanted to talk about him because he is one of the few like my musical hero that I've actually met. That was awesome. just amazing. All right, but, so TV shows. I stopped watching serious shows many years ago. Like I watched CSI in the, in the late '90s, right? And oh, yeah. it got so like gory and stuff. Yeah. And I just got away from dramas. So for a long time, I didn't watch dramas. I'd watch just silly stuff. Have rediscovered that in the last many years. I think like a recent favorite is Justified. Yeah. The writing on that show was astounding. Uh, I was just so moved by it. Uh, growing up in Kentucky, uh, it, it just. Even though you see a palm tree every once in a while, it's crazy. <laughs> and the other personal connection I have to that show is one of my former students was an extra on it. Oh, okay. And he is very prevalently seen in a couple of episodes. Nice. Which is crazy, right? <laughs> so one of one of my former students who you know, he well, I've stayed in touch with and, and kind of helped mentor him some in his career path and, and things he's done and has been very you know really powerful to me to see what he's done in the last ten years. He sent me a note and said, hey, by the way, I'm on Justified, and we saw him, and I just flipped out. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that. Nice. But, but you know, typically it's light, funny. You know, we've, yeah. talk, we've talked about The Office, yeah. of course, or Parks yeah. and Rec, and Comedy Bang Bang, and those things like that. But, yeah, if you're looking for something especially really well-written and very powerful in that way, Justified is just the way to go. So, okay. how about you? Well, I, so for serious shows, I, we're the same way. Um, I don't want to think too hard when I get home from work. And But uh, the first two seasons of um, the new Lethal Weapon TV show, okay. really enjoyed. Um, my husband and I really got into those. Um, you know, the kids are at kind of an age, it's hard to say, hey, you can't, you know, you need to leave the room. Right. Um, so we usually watch stuff that they can watch. I, I'm a little worried now that things have changed with their um, stars. The, yeah. One of the main characters is no longer right. on, so I don't know if I'll watch much more of that. But my all-time cannot cannot miss show right now is Bob's Burgers. <laughs> um, honestly, it is silly. It is poorly, poorly drawn. I totally understand that. <laughs> but it is clever. It is a clever, clever show. We own the soundtrack. We listen to that. We can sing it together. My girls call me Linda Belcher, um, not just because I enjoy wine. Uh, favorite quote, because uh, <laughs> it was asked if I would quote, but my favorite Linda Belcher quote is, Mommy doesn't get drunk, she just has fun. <laughs> that was probably my worst Linda Belcher ever, but all right, yeah. Oh! Um, the other one we quote quite a bit um, because, uh, and this is, this, we have relatives whose last name is Pickles. And in one of the early episodes, Linda's going to a, she's tell, she tells Bob she's going to a strip club with her girlfriends to, for a bachelorette party or something. And he says, really, what's the name of the bar? She goes, ah, uh, Pickles. Going to Pickles. Get some quarters. Flop them in their G-strings. And we, every t- So we go to my grandmother's funeral. 
and my husband for the first time meets my relatives of the last name of Pickles. <laughs> and yeah, it's just exactly here. There we are at the you know at the the viewing, and everyone's serious. And my husband leaves over and goes, "Pickles!" I'm like, oh my god, I can't laugh. <laughs> but wow. So yeah, you, and you you and my wife. <laughs> my wife loves Bob's Burgers. My kids like. I think it's funny. I do the, my the funniest thing I find about that show is that H. John Benjamin does not change his voice in anything he's in. And so the yes. fact that he is Bob and Archer at the exactly. same time yes. is hysterical. <laughs> he's also the talking can of vegetables in Wet Hot American yes. Summer, which, yeah, another, but, yeah. Yes, but, yeah, he, the fact great. that he doesn't change, yeah. we And it's it's Hilarious. a show that we can watch with the kids. Sure. You know, yeah, some of the jokes go over their heads, and we have, what's that? Just don't mind. But, yeah, we we enjoy that. And actually, Jesse did an entire drawing set of all of the Bob's Burgers wow, characters. Wow, that's awesome. So that's awesome. She does pretty well. All right, so added, yeah, added this bo- this uh, question based on some of the international ones. Uh, favorite book? We get a little cerebral here. I would say f- comic, but that yeah. doesn't really count. <laughs> I'll tell you the book that had the most impact on me as as a young adult and I read multiple times was All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren. Wow. It was a very powerful book for me. I think, uh, you know, it's about, basically it's about the Kingfisher and the political structure in the, in the South and the, the language of that book and Robert Penn Warren is from Kentucky and, and that connection, but yeah, uh, I can't explain it. I Hmm. read that book when I was in high school and into college, I, pre- I probably read it six times. Yeah. It just had a real effect on me. Interesting. And so I would say, yeah, I know people will probably be surprised by yeah. that. I, I would. I don't know if it's my favorite. It's certainly probably the most, impact, at least for a period of time. Uh, I would say lately probably the best thing I read was HR on Purpose. Yeah, that was a good one. Plug, plug, plug. Yep. Uh, you know, the books I always go back to if I just need something to read, the Little House series. Every winter, and I, I didn't do it this year because I made a conscious decision to not read duplicate books this year. Usually in winter, sometime in February, I need to pull out the long winter just to remind myself that winter does end. <laughs> and I can sit down and I can read them in a day, and it's just that comfort right. of I know this story and, and this is how it's going to go. So what do you like to do if we're, we're not talking about all the favorite things we do? Right. What else do you like to do outside of work? Spending time with my kids um, and the dog and just... We, as my oldest puts it, hanging out, <laughs> being together. If we're watching a movie or just hanging out outside um, or whatever we're doing, I, I do like to be with my family. And you? Ditto. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I very similarly, you know, I have two boys. Uh, most of you are aware my older boy did editing on the show for mm-hmm. a while. Uh, he's 17. My, my younger boy is 15. And uh, it's fun to find things now for us to all do doing it all together is one thing but you know we have different passions you know my Mm -hmm. my older boy and I do a lot of comic book things together Uh, my younger one uh, do a lot of music stuff together he's my rush fan and (laughs) that was really cool to to kind of see you know I've taken him to shows and you know kind of experienced that and and, uh, you know just spending time with them and with my wife and doing that obviously because I do a lot of podcast you know podcasting is just a big part of fun stuff and, and reading comics and things but yeah I would say uh, you know sp- it's being with the family and, and especially as, as I get ready to potentially send one to college next uh, year. Got he is oh. going to be done with high school next wow. year trying to figure those things out and work through those things too so. no it's fun to watch yeah. him grow up 
It's hard. That's fun. Um, all right. So if you weren't doing HR, John, this, these are the last questions the last here. Question. This is the last, last question, question, everybody. What would you do? My dream job <laughs> would be to wear comic book character t-shirts every day and own my own shop. I would sell <laughs> comics and toys. I would talk about all the nerdy stuff I love. The G.I. Joe, the Star Wars, that kind of stuff. That's, yeah. I mean, that would be the, the you know, that's the dream job. Yeah. As, as one of my friends put on the other show, you know, well, it was, I'd probably be, you know, like wiping down the, uh, the mats at a gym or something. I, you know, I wouldn't be yeah. doing that either. But, you know, I think if you said, what would I be, if, you know, what would I be doing professionally? You know, I thought I was going to be Mr. Holland yeah. when I was a kid, remember when I was younger. And you know, I planned on doing a PhD and becoming a college professor in the music space. And, uh, I'm glad that didn't happen, you know. Uh, yeah. it's, life has certainly turned a lot differently than I would have thought. But, yeah, I'm going to say, if a prof- I don't know how professional it is, but running a comic book shop. <laughs> well, when you come to South Dakota, uh, before you leave, I will tell you which uh, comic book store to go to because okay. my husband's, uh, one of his friends from high school, owns two comic nice. book stores in the area. So, awesome. Yeah, um, good connection. Um, for me, um, honestly, I would want to be doing this. Uh, maybe not about HR, but maybe we would be uh, maybe we would be doing this about wine or <laughs> uh, I, this I am I am absolutely loving this. I would love to be able to figure out how to do the podcast, how to do the blogging, how to how to do this uh, on a professional level because I am finding a lot of a, a lot of professional satisfaction in seeing how just how my writing has improved how my ability to connect with people and all of that um so honestly this is this is what i would want to do professionally if uh if something happens in in my career and i can't and i decide to not do hr anymore so well folks we did it we survived the entire conversation (laughs) we didn't kill each other this week and all the time we've spent together but you know i I, before before we let no people each other know how to get a hold of us yeah I want to thank all of you for listening, for being so supportive, for spreading the word. I can't tell you all just how amazing it is to be sitting at a conference in Chicago, Illinois, with my friend Wendy, who I met through Twitter, (laughs) that I walked with two years ago in D.C., that we are sitting here, and hopefully the auto quality is good enough that you're still listening, but that you're listening (laughs) and that that you're finding something of impact or meaningful for you that we're able to bring amazing people yes. to to the podcast to to help spread the word. And, and kind of at a loss for words, which is hard for I, me. No, I But I, I just I cannot thank you all enough for being part of what we're doing. Yes, and, and I hope that you guys are finding connections from this. We discovered, you know, we, we connected to people who were wanted to do, um, wanted to learn about sign language. And... And Tompkinson was an interpreter, so we've been able to hook those people up. So share those stories with us because it's so meaningful to both of us that if you have met somebody through our podcast or through our Twitter chat or anything like that, that was one of the best things this weekend, this week, was hearing about people and the connections that they're making that we are helping to facilitate because I, I love that. I love that right now. So thank you all. Very humbling here. Yes. So what's the best way to get all of you? Oh, of course, Twitter. <laughs> if you don't know that by now, no, find me on Twitter, please. And, and honestly, hey, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or other ways, 
go ahead, got some of those locked down a little bit, but just send me a note and say, hey, um, I listened to your podcast. I saw you on um, this Twitter chat, and I'm happy to connect with you all that way. And you, John? Twitter, John, (laughs) J-O-N underscore Thurman, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D. You know the deal with LinkedIn. Just make it personal. I think that's one thing we hopefully you'll get out of the show is that you know the making those connections yeah. and establishing that early send us an email hr social podcast at gmail.com uh, listen on all your favorite uh, devices we are now on spotify which was super exciting to find out yes rate and review we, we always ask that we'll continue to ask that make sure that you check out the chat if you haven't done that for sunday of each month 7 p.m eastern time uh, check us out there yep. uh, and, and become part of our community Again, Wendy, can't believe we did it. That's awesome. It's a mega, it's a mega episode. <laughs> a mega the, episode, yeah. It's yes. the longest episode of HR Social Hour <laughs> Half Hour Podcast. So I will probably be editing for a while. Yeah. But until next time, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back. And network. network. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.